Nightmare Hardcore Radio, exploring the world's best hardcore punk and all the various subgenres. For the next two hours we will enter a world apart from the rest. The time is now. What's up with that? Let's start jamming. Disgrace me! Embrace me! What's up? You're listening to Dead Air, two hours of hardcore radio. This is episode 110. If you haven't listened to the show before, give you a rundown. We're uh, two hours of just playing uh, modern 
hardcore punk metal and hardcore adjacent music anything that kind of uh revolves around what's going on in uh going on in music in 2020 um we talk a little shit um sometimes i have um guests pretty much every time i have every week i have a uh interview someone from a band this week uh we have steve jackson who's in the band um open fire from the tacoma area if you haven't listened to them um very big and influential from in the last like decade hasn't done a show in six plus years um but they have recently um re-released music from uh from their early days in uh 2007 2008 we're gonna kind of just talk about give you a little insight about um tacoma metal and hardcore um in the mid to in the mid to late 2000s and uh with me after a long um I would say what fucking four five months of of not being on the show. Um, I have Chris. I'll be honest. Me and Chris uh, recorded a episode for our uh, for our what is it our, our like fourteen fifteen year episode of Dead Air, and uh, it, we did a we did our uh, we did our celebration episode our anniversary and i'm not gonna lie that never fucking aired damn baby you didn't air out our anniversary so i recorded it and then i left it on the laptop and never saved it and the laptop crashed oh is it a lost episode now it's a lost episode it's out there it might be on on my cloud somewhere but it is i you and me recorded on zoom for like almost two fucking hours of stuff the, that never listened the FaceTime one like yeah, with the, the video chat yeah the, we did the facetime one with our little plushy pillows um yeah i forget which ones i had um i think i had the bunny um i think you might have had a pokemon i don't know um oh. i don't remember what which plushy you had I don't remember either, boss. I I think I was borrowing one of my sisters. It's okay. Um but I'm glad to have you back. I know um it is uh you are going through it right now. Um you're not feeling so great. You've had to have you know a couple um visits to the urgent care due to a couple different uh things that have happened and unfortunately it's when you're on your week-long staycation yeah so all right this is for all the listeners um first of all i am rona free what ended up starting the stint was i was on a a throwdown kick with um with with the fam here we were uh kind of just you know doing some shenanigans listening to throwdown and i uh ended up stubbing my toe pretty bad i thought i broke it so I went to urgent care and then I'm pretty sure, you know, um, the night that I got back from my first visit of urgent care, I, I, uh, I got pink eye. Oh God. Uh, you know, I, I don't 100% want to blame it on our, on our kitten, but he gets these poopy paws. Cause he kind of is doing this thing where he's, he's... playing with this poop uh... in the litter box. So, and he's been pouncing on our face. So I'm 
I'm like 90% sure that I, 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 uh, your roommate was at our house last night and was telling us all about it. I was like, it sounds about right. I got yeah. to meet your little cute bundle of joy, and he is a handful. He was, oh, yeah. he, so with most cats that I've met in the past, um, you know, I guess I'm used to have, like, my grandparents had, like, barn cats, and they were, like, so skittish. And my cats growing up were skittish because I was kind of an asshole. I'm not going to lie. I, I used them in in movies when I got a I, – I, my mom gave me a, a camcorder and um, when I was, like, 13, and I started doing movies, and I did a sh- – uh, I did a movie, um, and – Let's just say I didn't no cats were harmed, but they were definitely not trusting of me in the in the end. Like after after that point, they're like, fuck you. I'm never getting into a I'm never getting into a uh, laundry basket with you again. So if PETA approached them with the post sci evaluation of their experiences, um, would you have been fined by PETA standards? Um, I don't, I wouldn't say that. I tried to keep them safe. So I rode down, I, I did a, a movie, which I called fast and the furriest where I rode down the stairs (laughs) in a, my stairs in a laundry basket while holding my cats. (laughs) Wait, didn't you have your own production company? Um, quotation marks. Um, I did. I, I did some really dumb shit with my camera. Um, between in my in my junior high years, let's just say that. I remember telling this to a like, like a a buddy of mine. Um, like before, like, like. Okay, so while Jackass was kind of like getting big, I'm sure you had like a group of friends too that you would do Jackass things. Everybody with. did, dude. Every yeah. fucking person did. It was more common than people think, you know. Like you really, it was, dude. the The way you get people not to do it is not put the fucking skull and crossbones warning at the beginning of the show. The exactly. skull and crossbones is badass, dude. Are you kidding me? I was like, I want to be badass. I want school and crossbones before I do a fucking stunt. Exactly. I did. We did some really dumb ones too. We, of course, everyone in the mid two thousands did, especially junior high boys did some sort of fucking, um, jackass remake. Oh, absolutely. And if they weren't, then they were probably getting, you know, Mountain Dew wasted playing Tony Hawk's Underground on their PS2, right? Or or just riding past uh, their neighbor's house and calling other people gay. <laughs> I'm going to post that on my MySpace bulletin board, BRB. <laughs> I think most of this video was just like... Right before I got a MySpace, um, not too long before, but just like months before MySpace became like a 
um, a big thing. And just like right before it was just right pre YouTube, pre some of these videos were just like, I made, I made like copies of CDs of to hand out to people for my stupid movies. <laughs> That's so sick. And I would still have video. I, we would make them. So obviously like you'd have dudes have like land parties and shit. I would, literally make movies so we could play them at the land parties trevor what there there's gonna be a younger listener out there and i'm sure you probably realize this too they probably have no idea what a land party is so a land party is basically um where you could where people bring their tvs and their consoles usually like a ps2 or an xbox uh, one uh, Xbox, like original Xbox at the time, uh, and they would all link up via Ethernet cables because um, there was a time right before Xbox Live was really a thing. Xbox Live like kind of exists for a while, but like you couldn't really do much on Xbox Live. So LAN parties was like the neck was like that like step like where you could connect all your um, consoles together and have like a big party and usually people in that era of you know high school junior high whatever would have big parties at other people's basements where it was just like just towers of fucking mountain dew and doritos and nasty swelling dudes and people with like laminated v cards um just like never have had had a sex in their entire life um <laughs> have never talked to um, the opposite sex in their entire fucking life. Um, They think uh, a clitoris is a Pokemon type of thing. um, Yeah. People who get um, boners from like lingerie um, catalogs. Stuff like that. It it was definitely a... from people who get boners from like PG thirteen, um, like bra and panty, like vids where they like kind of like almost go up to the breast and then they cut, or like have the sex scenes where we're about to have sex next morning. Wow, that was so hot. <laughs> to be honest, I kind of prefer that over the HBO shit, like uh my i watched i used my friends used to watch true blood like 10 plus years ago and i what my uh, roommate is rewatching that shit and i was like dude the pointless amount of just like softcore porn in this is just like it's it's taking away from like almost everything where like game of thrones it's, that's that's totally fucking classy you know Yes, Queen, go go Khaleesi. Um But uh yeah, just just with vampires, you know, I need more blood, less um of the other of the other fluids. I tried to rewatch True Blood a couple years ago and it it just wasn't hitting. It doesn't least... no, it doesn't fucking hit. Like like I watched that came out when I like right at the end of high school, so and that was right before, right around the time that the, um, that they were going to be doing Twilight and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is like an edgier version. And now I rewatch it. I was like, 
oh, this is rough, man. There's people turning into fucking panthers and unicorns and dude, it's it's literally just fucking animorphs. This isn't goddamn true. This isn't a vampire show. This is this is sexy animorphs. Dude, animorphs is sick. I'm I kind of miss animorphs. That shit was that shit was was fucking was fucking wild. I miss the the animorph. They had an animorphs movie like that shit. Uh, they had like the dude who who fucking who fucking quoted um, Star Trek. And he's like, "Come on, uh, like he fucking is giving it all she's got." And then he turns into a fucking panther and like pounces on someone. And I was like, "That's so fucking hard." Dude, uh, that is hard. That sounds like a hate breed lyric. Um. So before we get into it, just real quick, um, go to our socials. Both Dead Air and WCZ at both Instagram and Twitter. Um, go to our website, uh, deadairhardcoreradio.com, which you, you can go to the archive where we have all our past stuff that we've done over the last couple of years that's not on Spotify. Um, but please check us, on, check us out on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, as well as Google Podcasts. Please subscribe. Leave us some messages. I haven't even seen if you, if anybody has given us a rating or a review, but um, I don't really know how much it how much it really helps get more listeners by doing it. But I mean, uh, somehow it boosts us. So if you could do anything to boost us, I know we have plenty of followers on Spotify. So thank you for that. But follow us on all the platforms if you can. Um, you can always send us an email for you know if you want to be a part of the show in any way as in like um submitting a song being a guest um contributing to our website because i have a hard time updating it i just i just fucking forget i have a lot of things i have to i have to do with uh working at the station and stuff so dead air nwcz at gmail.com also check us out um our live play our live playlist we play on um our live shows on NWCZ radio here in Tacoma as well as a bunch of other here in US and UK and Canada so check us out deadairhardcoreradio.com for all those uh time listings cuz we are a radio show first and a podcast second but i think i'm thankful for all of our listeners and uh once again i'm glad to have you back chris it's good to be back, brother. Um, so let's get into um since we kind of talked a lot of shit, let's talk let's talk music. Um we started off with Sitting of Industry with uh new music from them. We had we played The Body is a Faithless Fleeting Friend. And honestly, I think all the all all the shit that I've that I played um that I a lot of these uh stuff that I picked this week, I I'm I'm very like black pilled and fucking just like I'm 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 I've been very dark these last couple weeks just because like with the state of the world, no matter who won the election, there's just a, it's just it is a hard fucking um time for people with mental Ill, with mental health issues and just like being locked down like this and just having all this, um, you know, shit and just not, and having an uncertainty for the future. It 
some people will can truck through it. Others, uh, like myself, sometimes get I uh, I bounce between being optimistic and and pushing through, and then just being totally just like fucking nihilistic. Um, so the body is faithless, fleeting friend. Um, yeah, I've I fucking feel it. We all gonna die someday, motherfucker. So, um, how do you feel about that, Chris? How do you feel about that statement? Um, you know, I wouldn't mind if it um came kind of like soon, at least for my <laughs> my uh physical condition of this eye, you know. But uh, <laughs> I feel like that's yeah, yeah, that can heal, dude. That can fucking heal. But um, if you haven't checked out City of Industry, um, from Seattle, they kind of have um. Metallic hardcore with a, a mix of like um, melodic hardcore stuff that kind of reminds me of Modern Life is War and Hope Conspiracy and a lot of um, darker um, stuff that's that kind of was around that era and some Death Wish style music um, out of Seattle. A very underrated band that does not talked about from a lot of Seattle hardcore people. So if you haven't checked it out. Check them out. Um, this is on a record that is coming out on December 4th. We'll probably play more as it comes around. It's their follow-up to Conspire, 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 which came out um, September of last year. And uh, they've been really constant with making music. They put out an EP in April, which we played. And you can go to De- um, our band camp, um, Dinner Hardcore Radio Bandcamp, for a live um, session from that band, which you can download for free or um, you can, if you give us anything, we, we usually, we give it out to, we, uh, we pick a charity every month to give any, any of the money that we get from the band camp, uh, when people, da- uh, when people download, of course. So check it out. Um, we're going to get to our interview very soon in the show, but, uh, first we're going to get to some music with, uh. Music I didn't really talk about when I played it on the last episode, um, but the band Sex with a Terrorist. I'm going to be honest, last time I had such a fucking horrible migraine, I had a hard time explaining any of the shit that was going on in the show. (laughs) So I apologize sincerely for that. Um, So Sex with a Terrorist, I actually fucking really like this fucking band a lot. Um a lot of um, past, a lot of members of bands, not only of people who have uh, lived in the Northwest, but of bands you, fu- um, you fucking know. Um, we have Patrick um, Kinlan of Drug Church. You got um, Ian Shelton of um, Military Gun and uh, Regional Justice Center. Among um, what's the other? What's the other fucking band that they're both in? Um, um wait, uh self defense family. Self defense right? family, yep. Uh they're in so many bands as well as Patrick being a part of um a lot of uh different podcasts that um contribute to my nihilism um on my weekly drives to work. Then we have uh Mac Miller, which is the not the rapper, and they put in parentheses alive, Mac Miller from the sheds. Which I think I'm I knew of this Mac Miller before the Mac Miller uh rapper. So it's cool to see him. I believe he's still living down in LA. 
um, but I couldn't be, I could be wrong. And I don't know, um, but, uh, where he is currently living, but, uh, Kevin Hart, who, uh, used to live in Olympia and not in the, the white Kevin Hart, um, who has been in, uh, various bands in the last, uh, in the last decade. Um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, and then, yeah, I'm, uh, amongst some other people. So it's a very good band. It's, um, I like I like the I like this shit. Um, we put we're gonna play Uto- Utopian Delusions, and uh, honestly, I'm very fucking down with uh, the lyrics of this uh, of this song. Just because everybody in this day and age has an idea of where they want this world and us to go as a collective. But we have not been able to really successfully come together enough in in a big enough number to really like get us on the path yet, and that's just my opinion. I know there's people like we have that opinion. I'm not saying like there hasn't been good efforts made in in different areas for social justice. But I and who am I? I'm just some fuck face bald dude. Um, but there hasn't there. There's a lot of um, fuckery when it comes to social justice. There's you know a lot of self interest and um, a lot of a lot of white people just um, giving lip service and a lot of people in government that pretend like they really give a shit about social issues and they fucking don't um mm. hint hint our our president elect um not trying to get too much on that but there we got there's got to be um a coming together of us the people the working class people and it hasn't been there yet so at this point there there's been a lot of kind of utopianistic delusions and I completely um, agree with that. I'm not saying don't let not let's keep, let's keep marching forward. But, uh, but I do agree that some people were not, we're, we're still not there yet. And that's just my opinion. But uh, music wise, you can talk on that, Chris. Um, Music wise, I think it's, you know, pretty baller, fast, fast you know, ripper, power violence, power violence-y, um, fast core, um, just like pretty yeah. much all this shit that that most of these people eat, eat and breathe this this type of this type of shit and can do this type of shit in their sleep. Um, most of the people in this band, uh, it's just it's just a cool, quick release. Um, check it out. I think. We've been talking for uh, long enough, so we'll we'll get back to the music. You're listening to Dead Air, two hours of hardcore radio. Show you what it's 
Well, here goes. Flower Chains Collective. I felt like I was watching a dream I'd never wake up from. DIY clothing you can't get anywhere else. Now you have something to look forward to after you die. Information at flowerchains.us.
<laughs> All right. So we're back. You listen to Dead Air, two hours of hardcore radio. Um, just, uh, you know, sipping back on the adrenochrome. Um, we are, we are pretty, we're, we're getting, we're getting ready for a summer of fracking. Um, <laughs> dude, we're, get your, get your fucking fracking, uh, get your fracking pants on. We're going to town. Um, so, we played music from Military Gun um, right after uh, Sex of the Terrorist, another Ian Shelton band that's kind of on the Rev um, summer style of um, of music, a little bit more uplifting, kind of DC-ish style punk, um, punk and hardcore. We played Life in Decline. They came out with a record titled My Life is Over, um, right. Um, at the beginning of September, we kind of missed it. So, um, check it out. Uh, um, after that, we, we played some more kind of hardcore adjacent with uh, some music from, um, Gothenburg, Sweden with Glummer. Um, I remember, um, getting sent this band members of a bunch of other, um, hardcore, um, bands in Sweden, and uh it's a two song ep that is a uh, self it's uh just titled dead weight slash parked um outside and uh we played um the dead weight track we're about to get um to our interview with steve which is cool cuz i have not talked i don't think you and me ever really talked to uh to steve because open fire was pretty much done um, when you and me took over, um, and Oblivion was done when we, when, uh, for the most part, when, uh, when you and me took over. Mm-hmm. So there was like, I think he came, he came up during my interning days, but that's probably about it. Like, um, he might've come up when you and, when I was co-hosting and you were coming up like semi-regularly. Um, but this is like, I think this is the first time me and him have had a, like a full conversation in like goddamn ever. Um, so open fire, um, re-released built to abandon, which is their, uh, 2007 EP. Um, they had with, um, their original singer, um, Oh, uh, Rick, which is like my, my best friend's um, older brother. They kind of like, it's like my first band. They kind of, Open Fire kind of took me under their wing. Um, just like they were the first group of people, them, um, Jeremy and Never Looking Back, Cowardice and all that kind of small group of people. And then it kind of went to the people in Oblivion. And that's that first group of kind of like um heavy um metal core metal mix of metal core melodic hardcore people is like really what kind of launched me into stuff that was more punk and meet more punk people and know more people because i would go to these shows and 
I went to Undertow around that same time that I was meeting these people, um, and I knew absolutely no one. I'd go to see Trial. I would know virtually no one. Whereas today, if I went to any of these shows, I would know at least half the room, I would think, depending. Um, just depends depending. on d- just just depends on uh, who's living in Seattle at the time, I guess. But I feel like I would know significantly more um, than I would in 2008 and 2009. Um, and it's all thanks to bands like Open Fire. Um, just like first, like really band I rode for from the beginning to the end. Like sometimes local bands, you'll get into them and then you're like, oh, um, you know, and then move on. But I always liked this band from the from the beginning, and we'll talk we'll talk a lot more um, about that as we uh, as we go on. And uh, we're gonna play Dreamscapes and Promised Lands, which was. I believe the last song that Rick um, was on, and I believe around 2008, this is like around the time where he was working at the local Applebee's. And I would, uh, I went to a lot of fucking Applebee's (laughs) in late high school. And he was a host and he would try to sell me tickets to his shows. Um, I think that's how Applebee's in Puyallup. Yeah, Applebee's in South Hill. Yeah, it was the one not not by the not by the mall, but uh, close closer to Graham in the, in that area, kind of going out into the boonies. Like it's like oh, okay. pretty much the first Applebee's. If you live like out in the middle of fucking nowhere, Eatonville or whatever, that's probably the first. That's probably the Applebee's you go to when you're going out into like. Puyallup or Civilization. That's I, I would mm-hmm. expect. I I would think that's probably probably where you go. Um and yeah, he was always he was always there and like talking to us um on like Wednesday nights when we would when we would go because I was still going to church at the time and um and we would go out to the Applebee's as a ritual I did for fucking almost like three, four years straight. The fucking, ugh. I kind of miss the cheese sticks, but, but like after you have that many fucking, the fucking cheese sticks, the, uh, the, the pasta is, it, it, it got, it got fucking, um, old after a bit. You never went for uh, when they had the one dollar margaritas. No, I I drank a little bit during that time and like right before, because you got to realize I was only straight. I was I was only not straight edge in my legal drinking years for like two two of those two to three of those years, and one of them was a year where I was trying not to drink anymore. So oh, um. So like it, that was like roughly 2013 where I was like I fucked up a couple times but um realistically that was like the year I was like because I started to see myself going into like was when I was like 22 and 23 drinking too much but like I didn't go to the $1 margarita nights but I a lot of my friends were like beer drinkers and I was always drinking what they drank for like image wise so they would like have Mac and Jacks and dark beers. And I'm like, 
I think that's what stopped me from drinking because it was like expensive and it was not, it was like not that fucking great to, <laughs> to drink with food. Like I, it was pretty easy for me. But then when I started getting the mixed drinks, that was like, Oh fuck. Um, um, or drinking like, um, drinking like whiskey and shit. Um, I drank a little, I, I drank, uh, so my my best friend at the time and my mom had a mutual friend. Um, it was my best friend's coworker and my mom's old high school uh, classmate who was in a cover band that covered just like at the time everything that was kind of like somewhat rock, whether it was Buck Cherry, Hinder. Guns and Roses to all time low. Um, and they would, we would go and drink whiskey and fireball and shit in their, in his fucking scion. And I think that's where my problems started to, to happen. But no, no, as a, a very long explanation, no, I did not do the $1 margarita nights. That though I know, um, I think, you and my partner, like our our partners, have actually done the one the dollar Ritas together. Mm-hmm. I th- I'm I, I'm fairly certain at least one time, um, your partner and my partner have been out for the dollar Ritas. This sounds very iconic, like something that I would have heard about. So maybe it didn't happen. It sounds like it. I feel like it happened. I feel like it's a very Trevor move to say no to the dollar Ritas and then say hello to the Scion Ritas instead. Um, it was, I don't know, man. I, I didn't know what, I didn't know what I was fucking doing with my life at that point. I was just like, let me go hang out. I'm already playing in my own band, but let me, be a fucking douchebag and hang out at the Tacoma bar with a cover band and drink in their fucking car between their sets. Dude, at it least was, this wasn't like um, Bob's Java Jive or any other place like that. Well, it was at the Swiss RIP. Uh, RIP. That just, that just, uh, unfortunately was a COVID casualty. Um, and they were one of these bands that was called the, like they were in the paper as the best band in Washington. And I'm like, they have no fucking original songs, but I'm like (laughs) the money that they made was like better than that. Like sometimes, sometimes better than what you and me make on a week. Oh, dude, dude, I would, I would sell my soul to be in a cover band. Like, I mean, you would, I mean it wouldn't rush. actually it probably wouldn't be that hard for us to fucking do that. Uh, we could do. Yo, a, do you want to? We can do a. Do, we can do band. a Q and on cover cover band of the Cure. <laughs> Call it the Cure with a Q. Cure. <laughs> or it could drop, be called an animosity. We could drop little like fucking Q hints in. In between, in between our fucking songs, 
<laughs> and Friday, I'm in love I was with, fi- with finding Friday, out what Obama and I'm Hillary and the love. Biden crime family are doing in the deep state. <laughs> oh, God. Just like black pills. <laughs> Actually, right. no, that's red pill. That's not like black. That's red pill, dude. That's total red pill. Dude, he I'm was, getting all my, my pills mixed up, man. You're taking too many. You are, you're fucking ODing, <laughs> dude. You're, I think you're like, I think you're coating some of your shit with some fucking fentanyl. Oh, man. Yo. Um. So we're gonna get to Dreamscapes and Promised Lands. Um, off the built to abandoned. Um. Uh, reissue, and we're gonna talk to Steve, and then we'll be back pretty much to fucking finish the show in a little little long while from now. You're listening to Dead Air, two hours of hardcore radio.
All right. So we're recording. Um, weird, weird day do to do a record to do a recording. Uh, not what not the I was expecting. Um, right. I'm here with I'm here with uh, Steve. He's been in a couple bands in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Oblivion, to name one. Um, Open Fire. Uh, any other any other bands I I should I should note. Uh, allegedly, I was in a band called Skull Crusher 2000, which oh, yeah. uh, went on to become yeah, <laughs> allegedly, uh, which went on to become Nothing to Prove, which were a pretty important Tacoma hardcore band in the early mid 2000s. Um, forgot nothing really, nothing substantial or any real releases other than that. Like, I was in bands in high school and shit, but you know, nothing that played shows uh, i think i have one ep out from a pop punk band i was in in high school oh sick <laughs> yeah it's pretty bad what era of pop punk punk was that in was that like um i i graduated in 2004 so i was obsessed with that early era of like screamo like from like 98 to 2004 like the like the like I, I loved you know newfound glory and jimmy Eat world and saves the day and stuff like that but then i was getting really into heavy music as well uh you know i liked a lot of new metal and metal and shit uh but i didn't even really know much about hardcore until i was maybe 14 or 15 but even then it was limited exposure uh but i started liking really liking the bands that would do the pop punk catchy sound because that's what I loved at the most, the most of the time, but then they throw in some screaming or something. And I'd be like, Oh, that's so sick. That's it's so, a, such a weird intersect because like the, at the same time, butt rock bands were doing the same thing. Like, because mm-hmm. just to give a little bit of that uh, crossover appeal to right. the kids that are, that like liked quote unquote extreme music. Sure. Um, I remember liking Newfound Glory and then seeing a po- I knew that the guitarist Newfound Glory used to sing for Shai Hulud, but I didn't know what Shai Hulud sounded like. And then uh, that Within Blood Tempered came out when I was in high school and I saw they were advertising it at Hot Topic. And back in the day, Hot Topic used to have these CD listening stations where they would put in like the six top new CDs of the week or the month and you could put on headphones and listen to it, which is so weird thinking about doing that at a store. I, loved, like, I honestly loved that. Like, I had a dude who, like, would seriously at the Puyallup Hot Topic South Hill, they would seriously, they would have, they'd have tickets for shows at, at Studio 7 and Elko. Yep. They would I have, remember them doing that. A uh, dude would um, literally, if I, if I bought specifically from him, he would, like, give me his fucking discount on CDs and nice. get free ones. Like he would, he, I think he introduced me to blacklisted like for sure. In like 2005. You know, you know, there's the term mall core uh, for a reason, but I mean, it's typically used derogatorily in terms of hardcore kids. Like, Oh, you're a mall core kid. You only got into hardcore through, you know, XYZ metalcore band or whatever. But the fact is, it, it opened the doors for so many more people to have this access to, you know, music that's changed so many of our lives that, like, without something like Hot Topic, 
hundreds of thousands of kids would not know who any band that's played on Dead Air would be. Absolutely. So the main meat of this, uh, of this discussion is kind of centered around uh, Open Fire. Uh, you guys were did your did your main run for like between what, the 2006 2007 to to 2012 yeah uh, our first show was in 2006 we started we started the band in 2005 we didn't play until 2006 and then our first last show was 2012 and then we played another one in 2014 i think i i and built to abandon which you uh re-released that came out 2000 2007 2007 yeah we spent pretty much all of 2006 recording it took forever uh and then we finally got the final version and got it pressed and we released it at the very first Rainfest because we were the second band to play Rainfest. we played on friday and uh we released it that day that's it it's that's very like very inter- interesting too just because like i couldn't see an Op- like an open fire like if on a, a rain fest like reintroduction like a band that sounds like that has that built to abandon sound on uh i don't know right if a rain fest came back next year a built to abandon sound would be very interesting yeah it'd be kind of like why is this like very metalcore band playing you know and the thing is is like i uh you know, was involved in the early days of booking Rainfest with Zach and Matt Weldner before uh, Brian Skippington got involved. And one of our goals was just to be like, you know, we had the discussions in 2006 when the last champion show was happening. And part of it, we were really annoyed because the last champion show was at El Corazon. It was Graceland at the time, I think, I'm pretty sure. And uh, the booker of that show did not let champion put on all the bands that were coming from out of town to play be on the show. She was like, no, you can only have five bands. That's it. So around, so Memorial day weekend of 2006, we booked shows uh, at the hall in Tacoma, West Seattle Legion hall, studio seven. There were shows from like Thursday to Monday. It wasn't, you know, like Rainfest, but it, we had, we literally had, I think six shows that weekend, not including, you know, the actual champion last show. And I remember saying to Matt Wilner and uh, Brian, uh, or uh, excuse me, Zach, we were just like, next year, can we just do this in one place so we don't have to drive around town the whole fucking weekend? Just like, can we just do this centralized? And that pretty much kicked off the talks of us like doing a festival. And, you know, the show I booked was more of a metalcore show but it had a few hardcore bands on it. Like it had dead to fall, but it also had um, nothing to prove and uh, furious styles who were definitely more of like a tough guy, hardcore sound from that era. And so, and then, you know, we all, there was also like internal affairs played and uh, I can't even remember all the shows, but there were so many shows with the full range of the aggressive hardcore influence sound that we were just like, why not put this all in one place? Because most of us are going to all of these shows, especially the Tacoma kids. Like at that time, there was a pretty strong division in the scene where um, there was kind of a, a Northwest hardcore. There was a group of Northwest hardcore 
but there was kind of two scenes. There was a huge division of like, there's kind of like the posse, the youth crew, the punk side of it. And then there was the more metal side of it. And I think, I think that had to do with some personality clashes, crew beef, stuff like that, which, you know, we don't got to go into too many details there, but um, there was also, you know, a clear diversion in sound for the most part, but there was absolutely people, especially from my perspective, from the Tacoma scene that crossed over with both. We were just like, we like this stuff, but we also like that stuff. So why don't we just go to both and do both? And so when me, Zach and Matt were talking about doing Rainfest, we were just like, yeah, open fire. Yeah, we're more of a metalcore band, definitely on that heavier melodic side. But why not put them in with, uh, you know, First Blood and Animosity and all the other stuff we were trying to do with that show? I don't think we ended up getting Animosity that year, but I remember we were talking to Manny and trying to get First Blood, Animosity, I think Internal Affairs, a couple other bands. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time since I looked at that lineup. I don't remember who all was there, but I remember – we just wanted a crossover of, of every sect of Northwest hardcore and that sound. So, and I really like listening um, to the reissue of built to abandoned because like you could hear some of the riffs that are extremely of an era. Uh, yes. It's in, I, it's interesting how a kid now would interpret it. Cause you have, cause like, because you like during that specific time, there was a, there was an interesting intersect between all those bands. Like you, like you said, a lot of times I think I've, I learned a lot of bit, like a lot of different bands from like, go like going to shows in like South Seattle or going to studio seven, like the bands like open fire, Cheyenne, all those yep. other bands came, like came to South Seattle and like opened for these shows. And then um, I would go to Viaduct and see these see these bands actually play their, you know, own like local sets. Right. Uh, and it was, it's very interesting as stuff like that kids, I don't know if they would, if some kids would wrap their minds around bands like Cheyenne right now. <laughs> Man, it'd be, it's so odd to think, especially with the metalcore revival that has happened in the last like two to three years in the scene where I hear bands that sound exactly like the bands that, you know, toured, maybe had a couple records, but never got too far off the ground in like from like 2003 to 2006. Yeah. Kind of that era when Open Fire was formulating and stuff. Um, there's so many bands now that are really successful um, that have that sound. And then you look at the bands that were kind of coming out right after that, like Open Fire and Cheyenne and I Declare War and, these like heavier bands that fit more in the metal side of things, but we still have a like a metalcore hardcore base, or like the dudes are all hardcore dudes, but it's playing metal and metalcore. Um, you know, it's so weird to think about like what would what would the kids today like versus back then now? You know, and you said like the there the the, the, there's riffs on these new re-recordings, the sound of an era, like. We started the idea. I mean, the whole thing was recorded by me, but the idea started long before Open Fire even broke up. Uh, Chug and I used to talk about, we would look back at Built to Abandon and there's moments of it that we really like and there's moments of it that we don't like as much. And we're like, eh, that's a little cringy or we're just, you know, it, it sounds so dated in certain parts. 
but there's other parts that we were just like, oh, I wish I could hear this with a cleaner production or with my vocals, because at the time I wasn't the vocalist, I was the guitarist and I did some backup vocals. I actually didn't even get to really record backup vocals on Built to Abandon, except for, I think, one screaming part and one singing part. I used to get tonsillitis really bad and I got sick constantly. And I got sick throughout that whole recording process where I couldn't do vocals at all. I would literally like open my mouth and it'd be like, <laughs> no sound would come out. So um, I always wanted to hear what it would sound like with me singing them because after uh, Rick left the band and I became the vocalist, we still played a few of those songs, not too many, but a few. And me and Chug for years were like, oh, let's re-record it. Let's re-record it. And we always just mostly were talking out our ass, just joking around. But uh, we finally took the opportunity to kind of screw around with some demos at home. And then I've been just working on music my, on my own, especially come quarantine. And then by the time quarantine hit, I was like, I could really just do this here at my house. Why not? So I went through and I started working on the songs and, it was really cool to hear just how they sound updated. But like you said, there's riffs even just on these few select songs that I re-recorded that I'm like, God, this sounds, it's 2005 just screaming at me where it's like, I would never write a riff like that again, but it's interesting to hear it now. It's, it's just, it's fun to, it's fun because like with hardcore back then, there was, you could obviously hear and feel the intent the intent but then every once in a while a band like a, would would throw a really interesting or or weird like deathcore mosh part in the in the mix because that was okay like it's like all right yeah or hardcore it's like okay this is something you're gonna hear you could hear at warp tour <laughs> right exactly like i mean we were never too much of a punk sounding band but we wanted we all liked hardcore. We all liked youth crew and shit like that. So we wanted fast parts, melodic parts, um, and not necessarily in the context of like singing or anything like that, but we wanted that like melodic hardcore, like bold or burn or something like that. And shy halud and things like that. Uh, but then we liked heavy shit. And there was this weird era of crossing over between hardcore and deathcore in the 2005, 2006 times, like, Suicide Silence, you know, nowadays are just known as like a deathcore kind of king band. And, you know, I know they dabbled in like new metal and stuff, but at the time they were mostly just hardcore dudes. I say that with air quotes there, but they were hardcore dudes playing death metal. So it, you know, kind of got labeled as deathcore where you got animosity, which was a bunch of Bay area hardcore dudes playing this extremely sick technical death metal. And so there was this interesting crossover between the metal, like the death metal and the hardcore scenes at the time, which is kind of how the, the phrase and the whole genre of deathcore was born. So it wasn't out of, it wasn't out of sorts for us to just throw in this like death metal influence, super fast double kick with a slow breakdown, like jun, 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 jun kind of thing. Whereas if you heard, you know, a posse hardcore band, especially like from Seattle, like if, if Vanguard did a part like that, you'd be like, what is happening? <laughs> Has, uh, you know, Morgan and Ian, have they lost their minds or something like that? So, <laughs> and I think, yeah, it, we, we go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it, 
we very much were influenced by the scene we were coming up in where we took dabbles of everything that was interesting to us and cool to us and we went with it and nowadays the music i write doesn't sound like that doesn't you know venture off too far into one genre or the other i think it's more of a balanced mix but it's it's been interesting to revisit stuff that way well i think it also like birth we talk about we talked about um just like the interesting areas we 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 uh grew up we like grew up in with like puyallup being not too far having a having a small scene of people uh, there come out from pe- places like Eatonville, Graham. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I had, I had a band that sounded similar in some ways to that had some open fire esque um, qualities. And we were all like ra- weird church kids from Graham. And right. so there, there was a lot of like, I think just like, you know, the result of just, of, just being local bands and not really at for years a lot of the bands didn't not a lot of bands went on tour at times and we for sure you could survive like with having the viaduct club impact uh club adrian too at the same same time literally three venues in tacoma alone in those in that time where you didn't have you didn't really have to tour if you didn't want to right and you know because of the the layout of Washington state kind of enabled us to have sort of different scenes within, you know, 20 miles of each other. Olympia's scene is radically different from Tacoma's scene and Seattle. We were radically different from Tacoma and it, or Seattle was from Tacoma and Puyallup again, it's just far enough out of the way that you're going to have a different group of kids and thus it's going to be a different scene. I, I, in, in, it would just like, if you're younger, you're also like, if you hear a different sound and you're like, you, you get excited, you get excited. Like I think yeah. my friends went and saw, we went and saw TUI and then right. we, and then, but then we also saw like, uh, we saw Have Heart as well. We went, we tried to play, we was like, I wrote a song that sounded like the band we saw last night. Right. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And, but then it was like, all right, we have now we have five different songs that might as well be five different bands. Hundred percent, yeah. And that happens, I think, when you're young, you have less of that jaded attitude. You're just open to the new sounds and new music. And I think some people still have that mentality as they get older. Some don't. I know I can be jaded about things, but I also know that feeling of that instant inspiration. I hear music today from some new bands, some old bands. Anytime I hear something that I I get stoked on, I immediately I'm like I want to grab my guitar. I want to fucking riff, write a riff like this. This it's so sick. I love this. You know that happens to me even still. I'm I'm 34 years old and like I'll listen to the new Misery Signals or I'll listen to like See You Space Cowboy and I'm just like fuck. This is sick. I want to write something like that now. And I think also nostalgia is comforting, especially in this era. It's kind of nice. Like I know for a lot of people. Uh, who probably have in getting real adulty these days it it takes a lot to get them like into into music and stuff so it's nice to have it's also nice to just have like the time to go back and uh be like oh shit i rem- i remember this while i'm listening to this sound right now i'm like re-experiencing what it was like to be in high school right right 
which could uh, yeah, be good, good or bad, depending. But for me, I was like, I tend to think of it as a good thing just because it was like, it, regardless of if stuff is like kind of like cringy, you can't, you can't like say like, it's kind of a, like I said, it's nice to, it's nice to go back. And it's also nice like to have that feeling of, I heard this for the first time ever. Yeah, absolutely. And, but overall, you guys, you guys re-recorded this in an awesome way to like, where it's like, it's honestly sounds really, like really cool. I'm very interested in like hearing feedback from people who have never listened to this era of open fire because uh, the era a lot of people are familiar with is when you took uh, you took the stage as the vocalist and you got really started actually going on tour. Um, you put out you put out um, I am the curse and that was honestly one of my favorite uh, metal and hardcore records that came out of of this area. Like, and I'm sure a lot Thank of people, you. I'm sure a lot of people would say too, because um, I remember going um, on tour with um, some metalcore kids and filling in for a band. And around the time it came out, this was the your record was literally the only thing in the van that we could agree on, at, <laughs> because because it was. Like the the there was some there was some whack there was some whack like um, easy core going on in the van and some, sure. uh, I think Trump Chunk No Captain Chunk was super popular at the time. Hey um, dudes, are you ready too? Yeah, so we were they were very very exci- they're excited. So I was like, can we just can we just listen to this and like and nobody compl- complained and I thought it was cool because it was like I think at that point Open Fire really had every kind of angle covered to where like hardcore kids, uh, metal post hardcore kids. There's, there's almost every, um, it was very, it was extremely cohesive at that point. And I think there's something for everyone in like the whole, the whole thing. Like there was just, it was a great, it's a great listen all the way through. Sure. I appreciate that. And like, you know, I look at when we were still as a band, um, there was still a divisiveness and there's always going to be some level of divisiveness between the like different little sects of hardcore and the uh, little subgenres. But I think that, I think the majority of people tend to like a little bit of everything. You know, I think most people, you know, they listen to a little bit of hip hop, they listen to a, maybe one or two country songs or a couple pop songs and they like a couple rock songs and they like a couple, you know, death metal songs. It just all depends on how certain types of music hits you. And for us, you know, I look at the different band members, you know, Open Fire notoriously had a revolving door of band members. But one thing for us was that we all kind of had an eclectic taste in music and bands that we all liked that I felt like Open Fire always tried to play a delicate balance with and and it was it's hard to land, I'll tell you that much, but I think we did pretty good without it sounding especially like you like you said when you look back at these re-recorded built to abandon songs, there it was a little more glaring like oh here's the fast part, here's the melodic part, here's the heavy part. I think the later Open Fire the balance got a little bit better, which kind of fit how the scene looked, whereas people started, 
it was not quite as polarized as when I was young and when Open Fire was first coming together. And I don't know about kids nowadays. It seems like kids are just as, if not far more open than when we kind of broke up, like 2012 or so. It seems like kids like everything nowadays. Yeah, and and, and maybe I'm speaking only to that. Maybe the specific Open Fire sound, like from that from that era. Because there, it is. I'm interested. I'm not saying they wouldn't like it. It's just sure. this is what I I remember specifically from that era of high school. And then after, after like you guys moved on to something that was a little bit more melodic and cohesive, um, that sound from that point on, like 2009 on, basically there were other bands that sounded like that. But after that point, it would it's basically ceased to exist. Right. Yeah. Melodic hardcore had this big surge, I'd say, in 2007 and 8 when we were just getting steady with, with playing like the built to abandoned material. But that's also when we had our first set of like lineup troubles where guys had other lives going on, other things in their lives going on. And some guys didn't want to try and take the band to the next stage where we wanted to tour and regularly put out records. And we were all fans of that melodic hardcore style. And that's kind of the push where we went while still incorporating some of that more heavier side, some of the faster stuff. Um, but you, you look, I think there's a steep drop off, like you said, around 2009 for, for melodic hardcore things are different, especially like a band like uh, TUI got really huge. We, you know, you mentioned trapped under ice earlier and half heart. You mentioned earlier, have heart broke up, you know, in 2009, but the popularity of songs to scream at the sun and like secrets of the secrets of the world, you know, those two TUI records, I think really changed the direction of hardcore for a lot of people and their tastes. Uh, and don't get me wrong. Those records are fucking incredible. Um, but I think for us, we had a style that we were happy with and it's interesting to see how it's, you know, over the years, how some people have still connected with it. Some haven't, but you know, it'd be interesting to see how people react to, you know, these older songs too. Well, things are definitely coming back. I, um, you definitely hear a lot of bands, um, doing like on the more melodic side or quote unquote, amazing core, uh, (laughs) yeah. Stuff, stuff coming that, that word makes you, makes you laugh too. (laughs) Yes. Of course, amazing core that cracks me up because we all know we've all read that comment on back in the day on MySpace where a guy was like, "Oh my god, this new song is amazing." I hate I, and the fact that it's it's come back full circle to that to um the the I'm not message boards but the new message boards are the Facebook groups right. <laughs> and yeah. is is Facebook just, groups, Reddit subreddits, group chats. Yes, since it's it's come back, it's just like oh my god! These some things I just didn't want. I didn't want like kids ten years younger than me to be saying. But, I mean the exact same things they, that we that we all did. Yeah, but they are history. Literally, fucking repeats. But like with that style, it's like it's it's definitely um, it's not in full force yet. But you can see like you can see the groundwork for for new bands in that yeah. in that genre in that genre. So. It'll be interesting to see where maybe some of these other heavy bands um, go in the future. Since we're yeah, absolutely we're at, the, we're at the really heavy kind of like mid two thousands 
to late two thousands, like Ferret Records stage of right. bands. Right. Uh, so it will history actually like go full cir- go full full circle. Who knows in these quarantine times? We don't it's, know. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird. You see, like, you know, we had you know, I grew up loving new metal, and then there was new metal revival around 2010, 11, 2012, with like Shabalba and Oblivion and bands like that, you know, and Disembodied coming back with that, you know, that super downtuned sound, which produced bands like, you know, like Knocked Loose, who are the fucking biggest band in hardcore. Um, but then you also have pretty quickly uh, the metalcore revival, which, you know, came after the new metal first it was new metal then it was metalcore in terms of popularity in the early 2000s and then the mid 2000s now we have the we went from the new metal revival to the metalcore revival and post metalcore it became the amazing core all the melodic hardcore bands like shilude it prevails bands like that that were highly worshipped and stuff and um and then after that that's kind of when we went into like tui and things like that and it's interesting to see the metalcore revival, I wonder how long that lasts in terms of popularity and how quickly it switches. I'm wondering if Amazing Core and all the, the melodic hardcore bands, if they have their own revival. You know, I know It Prevails put out an EP last year, which was honestly fucking great. It's the, uh, you know, I've been friends with Ian and, and the guys in that band for many, many years. And I can honestly say that I think that EP was the best thing they did in probably the, this decade and, or, or at least the last seven or eight years. And, um, it'll be interesting to see if the melodic hardcore bands have a revival as well. Yeah. And, uh, like with the have heart reunion and stuff like that, um, right. Yeah. Like people, people are, uh, kind of having those, having those predictions, but sometimes predictions fall short. So, you know, indeed. And sometimes revivals, you know, a revival doesn't necessarily last as long as the initial run either. Sometimes a revival is like, you know, a year maybe, whereas metalcore was really popular for many years, at least that in that mid 2000s era, whereas the metalcore revival may only be a year, two years, something like that. Yeah, I think I, I just I wish I could have gone back and enjoyed um, bands like like uh, Left With Nothing a little bit more than I did because sure. I, I came back, I came at the very, the tail end of of that era and did not get to not get to enjoy and be like, this is, it was a little too like, I don't know. It was, it wasn't as heavy or as accessible at the time, but I was like, this is pretty good. And then I listened back. It's like, Mm -hmm. fuck. And there's a lot of bands. Like there's a lot of absolutely. There's a band from Bremerton or at least the peninsula area uh, called Claymore that a lot of people don't know. Oh yeah. Claymore is there a Northwest hardcore band. And they are so fucking heavy. They're kind of a dead guy, coalesce, almost blood has been shed, but they kind of predate that. Um, They're one of the bands that got me into the heavy scene in the Northwest. They introduced me to Divinity of Truth, Left With Nothing, which, you know, going on to like Lahar and Owen Hart and uh, Great Disappointment, bands like that. Like Claymore is this deeply underrated band. some of the dudes went on to play in that band grenades, which was kind of that noisy indie rock band with, I think one of the guys from Kane Hodder. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah, I remember that. There's so much like different shit like that, that era, like people don't realize how popping it really was out here in the Northwest and why, 
we didn't some bands didn't ever really need to tour in yeah we we come from a i mean if you didn't know anything about the seattle music scene from like the 70s to the 90s coming 2000s and on even if you're just into punk hardcore metal metalcore death metal deathcore we come from a vibrant music scene where you didn't need to be like oh i just i only care about the touring band that comes around once every year or so and i think so to finish this up because i know you got to go in a minute yeah but the um we talked about the whole kind of like buddy thing and like with me and my younger friends coming out when we were younger coming out open fire was like the one band that like we could like we went and saw all the time like we we're already friends with the band like the one we rode for the most from like beginning to the end of that band it's not that sure. we didn't like like you know that i i would say we rode with never looking back a little bit at the end end but not sure. like but like open fire was like really kicking when i when i was really like starting to get into stuff and because i would go i'd go i think i went to the one of the undertow shows and i felt yeah. by myself and i was i i remember just standing standing in the back just watching going to those shows was cool and i was and i was absorbing stuff but like with like open fire there was something a little bit more like a like comfortable because we all kind of knew each other so yeah, it was, for sure it would this was that was really like one of the bands that helped get me in like you and robbie and rick and everybody involved in the beginning of open fire was and and uh fish and everybody like that like literally was the reason i'm here today which is wild to think about that's crazy. I'm I'm uh, honored for that. Thank you. No, no, it's it's always fun to like go back and listen to listen to Open Fire because like I did that like uh, article last year last year like the decade long of yeah. like, Northwest bands. Yeah, it, absolutely. It, it's interesting to have like the how diverse the decade was with the pocket yeah. of like, totally of like the Open Fire to the wind to like the end of the de- of the decade with bands like gloss and on yeah. and just like it's i mean the, the 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 diversity of northwest hardcore in all its range is so big you know from gag and gloss to a deathcore band like i declare war and everything in between you know there's just so much different stuff that's been touched and gone through the scene that like we have such a, a crazy diverse scene here that we're so lucky. All right. So to finish this up, what's your, what do you uh, want to end it on? What's your last words about um, things you want to say about this uh, built to abandon um, reissue? So uh, again, thank you for the opportunity to talk about this. Um, uh, we, we as in me in this instance, um, like I said, we discussed putting this, doing this for years, but it's something I've always kind of dabbled with. And then once quarantine hit, I found myself with a lot of time on my hands and some opportunities that allowed me to do this and record it from home. So I recorded the EP by myself, four songs redone. Three of them are recorded pretty much in the exact same manner in which they were before. But one of them I kind of rewrote, which is the title track built to abandon. And it's, uh, it's definitely a different one. It's, you know, there's nothing heavy about it, but there's nothing fast or aggressive either. It's definitely just a, dark moody track um and more importantly one of the things like i put out oh go ahead oh no um i was just thinking that that kind of reminds me what's the song there 
there's a couple of songs on I'm the Curse that had the, that had the kind of melodic vocals too as, as well. So that felt like kind of a little bit of continuation, at least there. So yeah. Really good. Yeah. And I, I added, uh, I think I added one extra singing part to the re-recording of Dreamscapes and Promised Lands. It's something I always kind of heard in my head as we played it live, but it's not nothing I ever really did. So being able to record that was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I think when you hear this, although there's definitely some dated feeling, if you listen to I Am The Curse and then when you listen to this, I think it kind of flows fairly well. At least in the I'm, sense you're like, you're like, it is the same band. You know, you can, my voice hasn't changed too much over the years and such. Um, but I, I, I wanted to say, um, uh, anybody who has already seen any of our social media posts, uh, I made the point of, you know, we live in a crazy world right now where... I think a lot of people are, are being awoken to um, their own biases, their own contributions to uh, negative systems that are that deeply impact lots of people in this world. You know, we have lots of oppressed people, people of color, women, trans folks, uh, anybody that fits in the queer spectrum, et cetera. Um, and I think as you looked at, you know, the, the Black, Ma- Black Lives Matter protests in May and June, and you look at you know everything that the Trump administration has gotten has destroyed our culture and our people with in the last few years. Um, I had to do a lot of personal reconciliation with this, and I had you know just in this last year we've seen a lot of abusers uh, outed in our own hardcore scene, not just Northwest but across the country and across the world, um, predators and hard and abusers alike. And I hope. I mean, I'm a straight white male, so I'm coming at this with a shitload of privilege. Um, and I've had to really reflect on what has my privilege allowed me to do? What have, what have I gotten away with with my privilege? Um, and how have I negatively impacted the people that, you know, my music has always kind of had this message of like fighting oppression. Open Fire was literally created, the name came up with, we had a lyric called Open fire on everything you love, open fire on everything you call home, which I know you know that lyric from Crush. <laughs> but we, li- we literally had that lyric because we wanted it to be an aggressive fuck you to the things that, to the systems that were hurting the people that mattered most to us. You know, we would see religious institutions hurting people and, and hurting uh, pe- queer people and people of color and things like that, not just religious institutions, but government institutions as well. And my music has always kind of been from that perspective. So as we've had this painful growing, these growing pains as a culture lately, I had to reflect myself and it sucked to look back at my past and see, oh, I've contributed to systemic racism. I've contributed to rape culture and sexism. You know, when I was a teenager, I was an edgy kid on the internet. So I would say, you know, racist jokes and shit like that. I've said all the all the bad words that people get fucking canceled for because I was a fucking idiot, you know, and having to reflect on my actions, whether they were, you know, unknowingly stupid or knowingly stupid. It, it sucks to reflect on your own mistakes. But I figured that if in today's world where there's so much important information being put out there of like how we can help contribute and better our society, if I need, if I'm going to put out music, whether it's re-recordings, new album, whatever, if I'm going to take up anybody's space and time with my music, I, it's time I use my privilege because I'm not impacted by systemic racism. I benefit from it. 
I'm not impacted by rape culture. I benefit from it because I'm a straight white male who doesn't have to deal. I don't have to worry if a cop's pulling me over, if I'm going to get fucking killed. I don't have to worry if I see a man walking down the road and I'm walking at night or something like that. I'm lucky that way. And I figure if I'm going to take up space with my music, it's time that I use that platform to try and make substantial change. So we as a band uh, made a personal donation to RAIN, which is the Rape, Abuse, Incest uh, National Network, which is a network which helps uh, survivors of those things. Um, and any, dona- any purchase or streaming revenue made from this album from PayPal or Spotify, Apple Music, etc., cetera, uh, is all also going to be donated to RAIN. And anytime if Open Fire puts out music in the future, which, you know, we've worked on new stuff. We don't know what will happen in the future. You know, I wake up and be like, we want to do that and we're done. I doubt it, but who knows? But if we're ever going to do more stuff, we're going to continue to try and use our platform of privilege to try and make tangible, measurable good in the world. Because we know that in our past, we personally have contributed to those negative fucking structures that hurt people and oppress people. So if we're going to try and take up anybody's space now, we're going to try and do something, even if it's just marginal, like donations to charities and organizations, we're going to try and do something to try and right some of those wrongs. So, yeah. I I 100% agree with everything you said, Um, especially as coming from a place of privilege as well, just like, if you do have privilege, this is, I, I echo this. It's like, this is, this has been a, this is a huge time for self reflection and time to really work on yourself for when yeah. do reopen for the world, when you do have to interact with people again and yeah. just use your privilege for good Use your privilege to talk to the, to talk to people that others can't you figure out ways to make things that are because there's people who are out there that that are tired of screaming the same thing, and you, you're this person of we have these this privilege to talk to some of these people that they can't and be able to get people to understand what's going on and yeah, in uh, there further us as a scene and as a culture. Yeah, so I agree entirely. Absolutely. Um, Steve, thank you so much for, uh, taking the time. I don't know if you've ever been on the show with me on it, like ever. I haven't. Yeah. You know, I, I, I had been on as early as when it was just Kevin and Ian and then in the Morgan days and, and Caton days. And I don't think I've been on it with just you. I think you were with Caton on at least one episode we were there for, but I don't think it's been just me and you. So it was really awesome to be here. Thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. it's cool to look back because this is like my real, like open fire is my real humble beginnings. So like, so it really, it's, it, these are a lot of things I can really speak on. There's some fans, like I said, that, I, that I'm like, Oh, I, I remember seeing that, um, uh, this stuff, but like with open fire, I remember a lot of just funny shit from like how, from like Halloween t- 2009, Totally. I, me fucking moshing in my uh, in my fucking Michael Jackson um, outfit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, check out um, check out the Built to Abandon uh, reissue if you haven't already. Um, if you haven't listened to Open Fire at all, 
pretty much most of it's all on spot on Spotify now, correct? Yeah, I think the original Built to Abandoned is just on uh, Bandcamp. I'll probably get it up on the streaming sites at some point. But um, yeah, you can get I Am the Curse and Our Slaves EP and uh, the new Built to Abandoned Redux EP as well on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, all that stuff. Absolutely. So if you haven't, check it out. Check out Open Fire. Very fucking, like, it was an important band to my, to me and a lot of people out here in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, some really good tunes that you might be missing out on if you're into melodic hardcore or metalcore. Um, so we're going to get back to the music. You're listening to Dead Air, Two Hours of Hardcore Radio. Awesome. Well, that's Thank you, Trevor. Appreciate it. I got to get out of here. I'll get yeah, out of, I know out of here. we're out of time. Um, this will be on Wednesday. This will be airing on Wednesday. So Great. Can't wait, man. All right. See you, man. Talk to you later. Bye. Watch us Make sure to check us out on social media at DeadAirNWCZ on both Instagram and Twitter and Facebook.com slash DeadAirHardcoreRadio. Dead Air, you're in Martian.
My mouth is fucking dry. I don't have enough goddamn. Uh, my yerba mate is is all gone. Uh, fuck. So I guess it's time to end the show. So shout out to Steve. Check out Open Fire if you haven't. Um, if you're a fan of fucking Misery Signals and bands of that kind of um, that kind of build and era, please go check that out. Um, Open Fire has made some of my favorite, like, Northwest metalcore by far. And I think it's one of those bands where a lot of people from different genres of heavy music and DIY music can kind of come together and agree. It's kind of like those memes where you see the two arms, the two fucking muscular arms, like, like cross cross the aisles to touch. Like, obviously, that meme was pre-COVID because, you know... We don't want that right now. Maybe air mm-hmm. high fiving or 
fist pumping with fist bumping with gloves, but you get what I mean. Um, so uh, we had after that we played "No Patience for the Living" with Zach um, from Oblivion doing guest vocals. Um, I believe Zach. I think Zach did guest vocals um, on this before when he was in Nothing to Prove. Um, I'm pretty sure he did too. I'm yeah. pretty sure he did too, but it was kind of hard because Rick's vocals on the older, um, on the older shit. Yeah, I think I think you're right. No patience for the living because they did a rec- a live recording at the last show at Red Room in 2012, where I think they did mm-hmm. that, and people started beating each other's ass. And I remember, I was, dude, I wore too many layers to that show. I remember I wore like a five panel cause it was 2012. So five panels were still like acceptable. Um, mm-hmm. I had a, I had a jet. I had, I think I had a shirt, a button up, a light, a light, um, old Navy, like cloth jacket. And then a, um, windbreaker over that. So four fucking layers. A top five shows ever at red room. That was a fun one. I remember um, there was a um, trampoline and during parts of that set where um, Zach Mioli would would get on the trampoline and he would jump off it, launch, and fucking start punching people in the crowd. And I remember when he would get close to me, I kind of put my arms up because I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm a little, I'm a little wuss. I'm a little peaceler. Um, <laughs> I've I kind of put my I kind of put my arms up like fuck. He's gonna go, he's gonna fucking hit me, and then he like he he like he went. Hey. I'm like oh you asshole. Oh yeah, the infamous one just totally. Dude, he oh, dude, I totally got faked out, and I was just like oh. Was, but that was overall a really fun show. They did a a reunion two years later, which was like the last and probably only time unless they decide to do something special which i don't know all those people are spread out across the map doing other shit so i don't think Mm -hmm. we'll ever see another open fire show but check out the open fire last show if you haven't it's on youtube um i don't think they filmed the reunion in 2014 at the quesadilla factory but it's pretty cool oblivion definitely People were stuck around for oblivion and were going shit, but there were I think it was more like kind of singing along shit for the for the uh show in twenty fourteen, so it was cool. Mm-hmm. Um I remember Zach talking about um the the uh the Seahawks game the year prior in twenty thirteen and I he and I was like I everybody like awkwardly stopped because I was like I was like, yeah, after the Seahawks, when the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl, my dad hugged me for the first time. And everybody, like, kind of, like, wanted to laugh, but they're like, is this appropriate? (laughs) 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 They're like, that's pretty funny, but also, that's kind of (laughs) sad. I'm like, yeah. I was like, it's, I mean, facts don't care about your feelings. (laughs) They sure as hell didn't care about mine. Damn, Tucker Carlson. <laughs> no, that's Ben Shapiro. You fucking cut. Is there really a difference at this point? Ben Shapiro of Daily of the of the Daily Mail uh versus 
Ben Shapiro would own Tucker Carlson 1v1. Let's not get this fucking twisted, bro. Yeah, true. Like the way Ben Shapiro talks, he talks so fast. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say... And if I talk like this... It's kind of just like a human word salad. Dude, I'm I much prefer talking like this than talking like this. You're what? listening to Ditter. Why do you Why do you think that? Like I don't I don't I don't need somebody to talk to me like this. I need someone to talk to me like this. Um so Can you imagine if that was your whole like full format? full Ben full Ben brain um dead air um full Shapiro full Shapiro brain only facts and logic, no music. I only, I only get, talk straight stats about the uh, the record label, the specific genre. Um, I don't, I don't talk about how I feel about it because that doesn't fucking matter. Um, it's literally just, just the information because that's what you need. Um, so we only have a few minutes left, so let's get to the music real quick. Um, we had we started <laughs> off with Karma, most dangerous game. Um, that's new music from them. Um, I think they have two songs out right now. Um, pretty dope. You were talking about how like the how like the vocals weren't your kind of the high pitched vocals weren't your kind of thing at first, but uh, they yeah. kind of grew on you. I I don't mind it either. Yeah. They they it was just something that you know at first it just kind of turned me off and then. You know, with each release, you know, they kept getting better and better. And it was something that just kind of grew on me, um, specifically that band. But they, they got some riffs, dude. Yeah, no, it's um, it's pretty, pretty freaking, pretty freaking good. Most, most dangerous game. Check it out. Um, after that, we played three songs off a four song split um, titled Ohio, Ohio Power, all a bunch of, um, Ohio bands, um, Brain Cave, uh, V Trigger, Stall Child, and Closed Down. A lot um, punk uh, mixed with. There's Brain Cave is kind of like a post hardcore, um, and um, Stall Child is definitely on the amazing core um, side of things. All um, mastered by Will Killingsworth at Dead Air, not our Dead Air. Please stop emailing me thinking I'm Will Killingsworth because I'm fucking not. But I also yeah, I was gonna ask if that started happening. Yes, but I'm not changing my name because we've been dead air for fucking ever. Get the fuck over it. That you might like the music that that he produces, but I also play his music, play a bunch of other music. Fucking move on. This dead air is here to stay. I'm sure I'm not. I'm not telling Will. I would. I don't even know Will. I'm not going to tell him to do anything except just keep making good music. Um, then we're going to we're going to end it because we're almost we're almost at the end with Eternal Champion. Um, shit, fucking rules. I haven't listened to enough of it. Um, if you haven't listened to Eternal Eternal Champion. Um, this is their last one was in 2016, right? 2016, 2017. Mm-hmm. I'm looking it up right now. Um, shit is just uh, 
If you if you fucking if you like to fucking rock, if you like classic fucking like almost it's it's definitely has some like stoner metal epic stuff from epic style uh kind of uh late late sabbath dio style uh stuff that makes you just want to grow a fucking beard and like uh look like liam neeson um in it's clash of the titans right where he goes fucking release the fucking kraken that's kind of how i it makes me want to release krakens um dude you see that album art (laughs) it's i'm getting i'm getting onto it right now i'm I didn't I didn't pull it up um for the <laughs> realistically I did not I didn't pull it up cuz I wasn't playing I for I completely forgot about it. Um I believe it uh releases physically um on the 20th of this month. But yeah, Epic it's tags is Epic heavy. So you know but this is this is totally like it looks like a scene out of heavy metal the movie. Um mm-hmm. that totally the ravening iron it's so fucking badass it's i love it's it it's bad the fuck it's bad the fuck ass if i this would be something i would play if you and me ever like actually start go- getting into D, this is this is like the first like full scale rec- the first record i want to like put on maybe just put on the whole um discography for our for because we might suck at you know uh making quests or doing d or doing the dnd but but at least we'll have some bad the fuck ass soundtrack exactly so that's it um thank you so much for listening um we'll be back um i'm making chris come back at some point at the end of this year for a um to, so we can discuss the top records of 2020. So we'll be back. Any any last words, Chris? Um, Liam Neeson, Clash of the Titans, release the Kraken, iconic. Honestly, a, gr- a good 3D movie. Know, you know. Honestly, Clash of the Titans, good 3D movie. The, I, I and and I stand. Hundred percent. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did, and I. It fucks. So, all right, here is Eternal Champion with Skull Seeker. We'll be back. <laughs>